Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Level Life Podcast. And today we have a special guest. We have Alex Newman. Alex is a journalist and an author, and we are really looking forward to talking to him today. Christian education. Because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Is the love of life. This is the Love of Life Podcast. Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. All right, so we have Alex Newman with us today on the show. I'm going to read a little bit of a blurb about him, so let me go ahead and do that. So in addition to serving as president of Liberty Sentinel Media Incorporated, he has written for a wide array of publications in the United States and abroad. He currently serves as a contributor to the Epoch Times, the Epic Times, a correspondent for the Law Enforcement Intelligence Brief, foreign correspondent and senior editor for the New American Magazine, a writer for WND, an education writer for Freedom Project Media, and a columnist for the Illinois Family Institute, and much more. And much more means much more. Your your bio is about as long as War and Peace. I'm, I'm amazed at the uh, accomplishments that you have had in your career, five children, and you're only 25 years old. It's pretty amazing, Alex. Well, thank you very much. Actually, I'm 35, but yeah, it's, I've been very blessed to be able to do uh, a lot of things, not not through uh, anything special that I've done, just kind of God has plopped me into places where I've been able to do interesting things. So it's uh, it's been a real blessing. And thank you so much for having me on the program. It's wonderful to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you. So what got you interested in investigating the public school system? Well, it's it's a kind of a long and interesting story. I never went to a public school. Um, and so I didn't recognize or realize what all was going on there. Uh, until much later in life. But uh, I grew up overseas uh, in private international schools. And so was really just totally disconnected from uh, the American public school system. But um, when my brother came back, I realized very quickly, there were some things that were going on that were not good. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know exactly what he was going through. But I could tell something really wrong was happening. And then uh, in about 2011, I think it was, I saw a little blurb in a newspaper about these national standards coming in. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly wasn't a constitutional scholar, but I recognized pretty quickly that that didn't sound constitutional or appropriate. So I started digging into that. Uh, eventually, that monstrosity became a common core and uh, started writing about that, uh, did some big articles about it and realized that uh, something very fishy was going on here. And... Um, about a year or two after that, I got a phone call from um, somebody at WND Books, which was a major Christian book publisher at the time, and Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld, who just happened to uh, be somebody I really looked up to. Uh, he had written many books on education. He wrote for a lot of the same publications as I did at WND, The New American Magazine, and others. And uh, they asked if I wanted to collaborate with him on uh, on a book about what was happening in education. I said, Pfft. Absolutely. Um, so as part of that, I read all the books that he had written over the years. He had done uh, 12 books on education over the preceding 60 years. Uh, his part of the book really focused on the history of it, the past, how we got to where we are. My section, uh, which was kind of the second half of the book, focused on what was happening at the time, which was around 2015 when we published, uh, and where this was all going, a kind of a globalized education system um, with a very strong role for the United Nations. And so um, that, that's where it started. And then uh, as, as I was working on that project with Sam, I realized very quickly that uh, this is like the issue that transcends all the other issues, all these problems that we're dealing with, the reason our, 
our kids are are losing their minds and and turning against their country, turning against their families, turning against their churches uh, is because they're being brainwashed. They're being weaponized and indoctrinated in the public school system. And so I decided to focus uh, a very significant amount of my time on uh, on that issue, because, again, I, I saw it as transcending all the other issues. So can you walk us through briefly just some of the history of the public school system? And then I know that wasn't the portion of the book you wrote on, but you're well educated in that. So if you could yeah, um, through some of those it, seeds. It, it is it's such a horrifying story. And unfortunately, so few people know it. I, I think if it was widely known how we got a public school system, um, it would be abolished tomorrow morning. I mean, it, it would cease to exist almost immediately if the American people, if our legislators knew what had happened, because um, there's a lot of mythology around this. It's it's kind of uh, we've kind of grown accustomed to it just because, well, hey, it's been there our whole lives and our parents went there and even grandma and grandpa went there. And so, I mean, it's always been like this, right? No, it hasn't always been like this. In fact, um, uh, the, the idea that government should educate children is uh, a, a very new phenomenon. It's a revolutionary phenomenon, uh, and it definitely has not always been like this. So, uh, you know, going back into the deep past, uh, the first time I can ever find any reference to government education uh, is with Plato. Uh, Plato, of course, uh, you know, a lot of people who want to sound sophisticated quote Plato like he's some kind of genius. Uh, the guy was a, a raging totalitarian and a lunatic. <laughs> uh, he, he thought we should have philosopher kings that would rule over us, and uh, he thought the government should educate the uh, the the ruled class, that would be us, uh, to be good uh, serfs, to be good, uh, loyal subjects of the philosopher kings who who he believed were just superior to us in so many ways that they just had a natural right to rule over us. Um, and, and so these are the ravings of a madman. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that Hitler and Stalin and Mao and Castro and Mugabe believe, right, uh, that we need to have an elite case of people to, to run our lives for us. It's ridiculous. It runs contrary to everything that our country was founded on. Um, and the Spartans actually did try this. Um, you know, uh, Sparta was um, maybe the first fascist dictatorship that we know of. And it was really uh, a very comprehensive tyranny where the government would take children at a young age and start uh, brainwashing them and training them for war. Uh, very, very bizarre. A lot of bizarre sexual things going on there. Uh, and so Sparta really is, it should have been our, our ultimate warning sign. Right. That's what happens when you let government raise children for you. It turns into a nightmare. Uh, but no. Unfortunately, uh, this was resurrected uh, thousands of years later. And so the, the, to the modern iteration of government schooling, you know, for, for basically 2000 years of Christian history, the idea that government would educate children was inconceivable. Um, you know, the Bible makes very clear that parents are, are in charge, are responsible for educating and discipling and training their children. Um, Martin Luther came along during the Reformation and said, well, you know, uh, we, we really need uh, the public to be educated. So the church should help uh, play a role here. The church should equip parents. The church should help parents uh, in carrying out this very sacred duty. And so he, he believed the churches ought to get more involved. OK, uh, and then fast forward to the early 1800s. Um, and this is really the genesis of the system that we call the public school system today. You had a guy, a socialist who rejected the Bible, who rejected a Christian morality, who rejected private property, who rejected family, uh, very much along the lines of what Karl Marx would come out and say uh, a few decades later. His name was Robert Owen. He was a, a wealthy Scottish textile manufacturer, a Welsh. And um, he he set up this commune um, where he wanted to try out his ideas. He, he was so convinced that communism would work that he thought, hey, I'm going to buy this piece of land. We're going to form a community here and we're going to get rid of private property. We're going to get rid of hierarchies. We're going to get rid of uh, the family structure and all the rest of it. And of course, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> it didn't take a full two years for the thing to to collapse in on itself. Uh, but he had written these essays around that time where he he argued in favor of 
government education of children. Uh, and he believed that was the reason why his commune didn't work was because these children had been uh, educated and reared in a world of what he perceived to be individualism and Christianity and this reigning uh, biblical worldview. So he thought, well, the government needs to educate children. So he wrote these crazy essays. Um, people can read them. They're still available on the formation of the human character and all these things. And he said that the best government will be the one that shapes the minds and the character of, of children using public education. So uh, th this didn't go over very well in America, right? Uh, Americans were by far the best educated, most highly literate people that have ever, that have ever existed uh, on planet Earth and at any point in, in recorded human history. And so that didn't go over well in America. But uh, the ambassador from Prussia, from the Prussian dictator, uh, picked up some of these essays and took them back to Prussia. And according to Robert Owen in his uh, autobiography, he said the Prussian dictator who he uh, I think the word the, the terminology was he so approved of these ideas that he uh, he told his interior minister to go ahead and set up this kind of national government education system. So it took root in Prussia. Uh, and uh, right away, you know, you, you could see the the horror of it. It didn't even take more than a few generations before these people were goose stepping around and putting people in camps and things like this uh, under the National Socialists. And, you know, before that, uh, uh, the the uh, World War One instigators. So anyways, it, it didn't end well in Germany. But um, a man in the United States, again, who rejected the Bible, who rejected uh, private property, who rejected uh, common sense, uh, his name was Horace Mann. He really, really liked what was going on in Prussia. He actually traveled to Prussia to study the Prussian system. Um, he got himself selected as the first ever Secretary of Education. We had never had any Secretary of Education in any state in America. It would have been inconceivable. And yet he was a legislator in Massachusetts, and he got his, his colleagues to appoint him as the Secretary of Education for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which, again, was unheard of. It was unprecedented. We had never, ever had a Secretary of Education. So he, he starts importing the Prussian system into Massachusetts. Uh, right away, the quackery comes flooding in. Uh, he, he, he really modeled it on the Prussian system. He wanted to uh, what he called state normal schools to train the teachers and set up all these public schools. Um, anyways, it turned out to be a disaster. Uh, the kids, uh, many of them couldn't read anymore because of the quack methods they were using to teach them to read. Uh, Horace Mann fell in love with this crazy idea of phrenology, where you could measure people's skulls and supposedly determine uh, their personality and things. Like that. It was just, and now everybody knows it's pseudoscientific quackery, but Mann thought it was like this revolutionary development. So all this stuff gets into the public schools. Uh, he wanted to get the Bible out of the public schools. And of course, that that was inconceivable to the people of, of the time. Uh, the Bible was the primary, in some cases, the only textbook. And so that idea idea just went over like a lead balloon as well. But uh, after he was done working his magic in Massachusetts, he traveled all across the country like an evangelist preaching the good news of government education. And uh, little by little, uh, as the decades followed, more and more states started saying, hey, well, you know, we could do this, too. It started in the northern states, right? Uh, many of the southern states didn't experiment with public education until after they lost the Civil War and the, the northerners forced it on them. But um by around early 1900s, you had a lot of states that had created a government school system, and uh, little by little, they were even starting to mandate it, right? Like the Prussians had. They were starting to mandate that parents send their children to school. Uh, and then World War I broke out, and that was basically the final nail in the coffin for traditional parent-led education. And that, that's when the real shift began 
to where most Americans uh, shifted into government schools, right? They sent the men off to die in the war. Uh, the women then had to go fill the jobs in the factories because the men were off dying in the war. And so all these children were left uh, at home with no parents. And so that's when, for the first time in American history, most American children ended up in government schools. Uh, and, you know, John Dewey, around uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s, kind of picked up where, um, where, where Horace Mann had left off. Uh, he weaponized it even further. He resurrected some of this quackery that had been exposed. And um, he, he basically um, supercharged the evil that was already taking root through the government school system. So he had this crazy new religion called humanism. Um, he, he called it a religion. right? I'm not trying to make fun of him or anything. He, he said this was a religion. He and uh, about 30 something other individuals got together and they wrote the humanist manifesto. Now we call it the first humanist manifesto um, where they basically said right off the bat, uh, you know, First plank, uh, we religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing. It's not created, right, which is fundamentally incompatible with the Bible. Uh, the Bible says in the beginning, God created this first words. And then you have uh, it's also fundamentally incompatible with our system of government. Right, Our founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence said uh, it was a self-evident truth that we were created and that our creator gave us unalienable rights that the government existed to protect. Um, so, so this idea, this religious view of John Dewey's was totally incompatible with American society with Christian civilization. Uh, and he knew it would take a long time. But so he intended to use the public school system to uh, basically force this poisonous religion, this poisonous ideology onto America's children to dumb down America's children. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It was a, a slow and gradual process. He actually talks about that process in uh, in an essay that we reprinted in the back of the book that Sam and I wrote. It's called The Primary Education Fetish. We, we reprinted it as one of the appendices because it's so important to understanding. And he says in there that uh, these changes, they must come gradually, because if we force them unduly, it will compromise the final success of this project by uh, favoring a violent reaction. So he understood that if, if parents caught on to what they were up to, um, you know, tar and feathering would probably be the next uh, phase. So little by little, they, they made American government schools more and more collectivistic. Uh, they dumbed down the population of America. Uh, in 19, early 1960s, they scored some incredible victories at the Supreme Court where they um, purged Christianity from all the schools. No more Bible reading, no more prayer, no more uh, no more God, right? Uh, and instead, they they put in John Dewey's religion, humanism, that man could be his own little God, that we can determine. Right? You couldn't teach the Ten Commandments anymore. We're now enlightened. We can determine for ourselves what is right and wrong. And um, you know, we, we now see the fruit of that, right? Our society is collapsing. Um, and so that's basically the story of how we got public schools in America. And from America, this cancer spread around the world. Um, that's basically the, the abbreviated version of the history of how we got here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what if you're going back to kind of the beginning part of what you said? What if you are a Christian who hears all this and historically goes, yeah, it's bad. But let's say you go, well, what do you mean by... Christians leaving, uh, it's it's the Christian parents' responsibility to educate their kid. What would you say to a parent who says, where do you, where is that found biblically? Oh, that's a great question. And um, actually, a guy that I know um, who uh, I've worked with a number of times, his name is Israel Wayne. He did a whole book on this. I probably have it behind me. Because I hear uh, this argument all the time. Yeah, so, this, so the book... Are, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, this argument is is has been around since i mean I, I was a i was a homeschooler we homeschool our kids even when i was young this was a well, does the bible have a specific chapter and verse and that kind of thing uh to to facilitate 
hey, you know, you really shouldn't send your kids to public school. It, it truly is, as you have alluded to, it's a poison. Yeah. Uh, and there are many verses on that. Um, you know, I, I had read many of them many times without actually stopping to think about them. But then when I read this book by Israel Wayne, does God have an opinion on education? Uh, it was just scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. But I'll give you some of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can start in Proverbs 22, 6. Everybody knows this one. Uh, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Uh, and from the context, this is self-evidently talking to parents, right? This is not addressed to Caesar. This is not addressed to the elders of the church. Uh, in fact, the, the church hadn't even been established when uh, Proverbs were written. Uh, so this is very, very clearly addressed to parents. The idea that uh, government would be training up children in the way that they should go would have been inconceivable to these people. Uh, you go to Deuteronomy, and there's several uh, areas in Deuteronomy where this is addressed specifically. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, also Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, I'll quote uh, verse 19. It's talking about um, the, uh, the mandate that God has given to uh, his people to teach his laws to their children. <clears throat> Here's the uh, the verse, uh, verse 19 in chapter 11. You shall teach these laws to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. Um, in other words, all the time, right? There is no time <laughs> for Caesar to be messing with your children when you are teaching them God's laws all the time, right? Uh, here's uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six and seven. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, all the time, you should be teaching these things to your children. Uh, you go to Ephesians chapter six, uh, fathers, or sometimes it's translated as parents, um, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord or the fear and admonition of the Lord, different translations say. But in every case, this is addressed to parents, right? There, there's absolutely no delegation of authority to Caesar. Um now, we, we could talk uh, specifically about the modern government school, but uh, and there are many more verses, but um, I think it's it's worth stopping and thinking about this for a minute and <clears throat> and recognizing that, um, you know, God defined the role of civil government very, very clearly. Um, he instituted government uh, and he explained to us why he instituted government. And so I, I view government as an institution that was ordained by God. We are bound as Christians to uh, to submit to government. And we are bound as Christians to respect our rulers, but our rulers also are bound to obey God's laws. And God uh, very, very clearly gave them a job description. They are to carry the sword. They are to punish evil, right? And they are to protect the good. And so uh, we don't get to define those things. God has already defined evil, right? Murder, he defines as evil. Theft is evil. Rape is evil. Slavery is evil, right? So we have this list of all these things that God has said are evil. And then he created government to restrain and to punish evil evil. Yeah. So we know that's the job of government. Nowhere we find any allusion to um, discipling children, right? That's always, whenever you read about that, it's always in the context of parents. Uh, and I want to give just a few more verses on in, in the modern context, right? Because today uh, we all know that the government schools uh, are not allowed to talk about God. They're not allowed to talk about the Bible. They're not allowed to teach the Lord's Prayer. They're not allowed to teach the Ten Commandments. Uh, and so uh, there's some Bible verses that address this really, really clearly as well, right? God doesn't exactly outline exactly what a proper education should look like, but he does tell us uh, many, many times, right? We can start in Proverbs 9, 10, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, mm -hmm. okay? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and you cannot even talk about the Lord in a public school, we know for sure the kids are not going to be getting any wisdom in a public school if we believe the Bible is true. Mm -hmm. uh, you go to uh, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
Okay, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and there's absolutely no fear of the Lord in a public school, we know our children are not going to be getting any knowledge there. Uh, we know what happens with no knowledge. You go to Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Uh, and then, you know, uh, there's a really simple litmus test. We'll get to that. But I want to stop real quick at Mark chapter 12, verse 17 as well, um, where Jesus addresses the uh, the the difference between what is the responsibility and the duty of government. And what is the responsibility and the duty to God? And so in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Now, you will find many, many places in Scripture where we are told that uh, God's children belong to God, right? Uh, if these are, are Christian children. These are God's children. These are not Caesar's children. Um, and then here, here's the litmus test. And I think every Christian who is considering this question right now needs to take this to heart. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, but it's also uh, quoted in, in uh, the gospel of Luke. Whoever is not with me is against me. Okay. And um, that very, very clearly divides the world up into two camps. There are those who are with Christ and there are those who are against Christ, who are antichrist. And um I challenge anybody, believer or unbeliever, to make the case that a public school is with Christ today. And we all recognize that that's it's, it's a silly question, right? There, there's no doubt about whether the schools are with Christ. They're not. They are clearly not. And that leaves only one option. Um, they are against Christ. And so I think for Christians, especially in today's era, right, you know, 150 years ago, you might have been able to say, well, yeah, technically God didn't put this in, in the domain of Caesar. Technically, parents are responsible for these things. But at least they're reading the Bible. At, right. at least they're saying prayers. Right. At least they're learning God's God's uh, system of morality. Uh, today, we can't say that anymore. Today, it's very, very clear that they are not with Christ. And so for Christians, I think this really shouldn't even be a question. You must take them out. So what about the argument when someone says, but what about salt and light? My 10-year-old, he loves Jesus and he's a missionary in his school. What do you say to parents who who would use that kind of argumentation to keep little Johnny in a public school system? Yeah, and what I would say is, uh, hey, you ought to get yourself an M16 and uh, teach your 10-year-old how to use it, because next time a war breaks out, you know, we're going to need those child soldiers to go off and fight for us. And, you know, we all kind of recognize that's insane, yeah. um, right? Nobody would send a 10-year-old off to, to go fight in a physical war. Uh, and yet the scripture teaches very, very clearly that we're in the midst of a spiritual war. Uh, and in fact, we as mature adult believers are commanded to be salt and light. We are commanded to participate in this spiritual war using the tools that God has given us. But um, our children are not prepared for that, right? Um, as parents, we have an obligation to disciple them before they go into war. And what you're doing when you send your children to a government school, you know, you think your children are being missionaries. No, they're not. They're being discipled by the enemy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that simple. They are being taught to to believe that your faith is ridiculous. They are being taught to uh, defy you and to believe that it is appropriate to defy you. Uh, they are being taught that uh, morality is not uh, objective, that uh, God's laws, if they hear of them at all, that, that it's, you know, old fashioned and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, your, your children will not be salt and light. Your children will be discipled by forces that, as we just discussed, are hostile to Christ. Now, if, if your child is 16, 17 and rock solid in the faith, um, you know, that's one thing. You want to send them into, you know, their, their senior year at high school to go uh, be missionaries. That's one thing. If they're mature, if they're well-grounded, if they've been discipled by you, uh, if they are clear thinkers and they know God's word, that's one thing. But to send a small child in there and say, they're going to be salt and light. 
Um, you know, I feel that that is really just an excuse that parents give because they don't want to take their their responsibility seriously. And I don't mean to sound harsh. I don't mean to sound condescending or judgmental. Yeah. But I think the, the vast majority of parents who say that, uh, they don't truly believe that. They say that because they don't want to make the sacrifice necessary to do what God has called them to do, which is to disciple our children. And, and go to the Great Commission, right, at, at the end of Matthew. God tells us that we are to go out into all the nations, and we are to preach the gospel, and we are to make disciples, and we are to teach them to obey all the things that God commanded us. Uh, and so you have a lot of Christians today who think, all right, well, we're going to support a missionary going to uh, Haiti or Colombia or, or Laos, um, and yet we're going to send our children to go be discipled and, and trained by forces that are openly hostile to Christ. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think you can fulfill the Great Commission by supporting a missionary in Laos while your own children are being taught uh, uh, everything contrary to what uh, God has instructed us in. And really, I think the Great Commission begins at home. Our, our For moms and dads, our most important ministry. You know, you could be a, a super preacher. You could go have revivals and preach to hundreds of thousands of people. If you're not discipling your own children, you are failing in your duty toward the Great Commission. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, clearly from everything you've pointed out, the government schools are beyond reform. So if someone is listening to this and maybe their kids are still in a government school and they're thinking, okay, I hear you. And maybe that's even convicting to me, but where do I go from here? Um, what does that look like? It's scary. Can I really teach my children? You also do a lot of work with public school exit. So can you tell us a little bit about the resource that that is and the education that provides for parents? Sure. Happy to do it. Yeah. So uh, public school exit is a ministry we created a few years ago. Um, to help parents and churches uh, navigating these questions. So I, I serve as executive director. It's a volunteer position. And I'm not, it's not a job or anything. It's just a labor of love. But um, we brought together an incredible team of experts. If you go to the About Us page, you'll see our advisory board. I mean, these are unbelievable, extraordinary men and women of God who love the Lord and, and have a real heart for uh, our children, for, for God's children, and that they be properly educated. So we have resources for every possible thing you could imagine. Um, one of our advisors, uh, uh, Dr. Diane Douglas, she served as the most recent uh, superintendent of public instruction for the state of Arizona. She was the top education official in the state of Arizona. She said, look, after four years of this, it's clear you can't reform these schools. Uh, we need to get them out. And so she reviewed the laws of every single state. So no matter what state you live in, you can go to publicschoolexit.com and you can see what the laws of your state say regarding pulling your children out. Sometimes you're going to have to send a letter to your superintendent. Sometimes you're going to have to uh, file paperwork. Sometimes you just pull them out and that's the end of the story. So, uh, so we've done that for you. Uh, we have vetted uh, huge numbers of Christian schools all across the country that you can uh, find. We've got a little handy map there if you choose to uh, delegate that task to a, a Christian school. And, we, you know, we, we give people this very clear warning. There are a lot of so-called Christian schools that are Christian in name only. Uh, they are basically replicas of the world's schools. And, and uh, we think parents should do their due diligence before trusting anyone with the incredibly significant task of discipling their children. Uh, so we've got resources for churches. We, we, we work with churches all over the country and all over the world to set up um, whatever option the church wants to set up, right? We can do anything from help you build a Christian school from the ground up to uh, set up a homeschool co-op, to set up a scholarship fund for the low-income people in your church that need some help uh, with homeschooling or with paying Christian school tuition. Um, so all those resources are there. We've got uh, resources on uh, why you should pull your children out, how you can do it, uh, where you can go. Uh, we've looked at huge numbers of uh, curricular options, and uh, we recommend some very highly. Others we we don't recommend. And uh, if there's any questions, we we're here to uh, to answer them. We have if we 
you know, the, the four or five board members that we have can't answer them, we'll pass it to one of our advisors. We've got incredible lawyers. We've got incredible pastors. We've got incredible educators uh, and some people who do all these things. And so we can, um, you know, point you in the right direction, whether you're parents, a family, church, doesn't matter. We're here to help. Very good. Okay. Last question, because I know you're a busy guy. How does the public school system collapse? The argument actually goes, if all Christian families were to pull their children out, I've heard this argument for years and years, pull their children out, the public school system will collapse. Aren't they going to take our our tax dollars anyway? I mean, aren't we as a taxpayer, aren't we as the taxpayers, aren't we, isn't it a giant hedge fund that it's going to go to the public school system anyway? Or how, how does that actually work? Well, in, in most states, they have a, a system where the schools get funding based on how many victims they have, sorry, uh, children they have uh, in the seats. <laughs> right. And so uh, the less children, the less money they get. And, and actually, public schools all across this country right now are scrambling to deal with this. In fact, the district I live in right now, I just got a text message from somebody who was sitting in on this meeting. The leadership is planning to do cold calls. They lost uh, thousands of students over the last year, and uh, now they're they're losing about 20 million million dollars in funding. So they're freaking out. They don't know how they're going to pay their bills. So they're planning on calling all these families and try to sucker them back into the school. We actually got a postcard from the district saying you get a free laptop if you sign your kids up for brainwashing at the government school. So they are freaking out. Um, There's no question about it. If Christians, if if self-proclaimed Christians who still make up over 70% of the population in this country, if self-proclaimed Christians pulled their children out of the public schools, they would implode tomorrow, right? And uh, atheists don't send their children to Christian schools um, humanists don't send their children to Christian schools. Um, why do Christians continue to send their children to pagan, godless government schools? So if Christians were to pull out, the system would collapse. Um, and I believe that's where we're headed. You know, when, when I started telling people seven, eight years ago that they should pull their children out of schools, I got a lot of like, yeah, that's kind of extreme. You know, that, and even the ones who agree, that's never going to happen. So, you know, we got to do something. But it's happening now. Uh, millions and millions of families have fled just in the last couple of years. Uh, the numbers are growing. Um, I mean, some of the, some of the biggest uh, conservative and Christian leaders in America have called for parents to pull their kids out of public schools just in the last few years. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, three times before he died, said, parents, pull your kids out. Uh, Franklin Graham, I mean, you know, one of the most significant evangelical leaders responding to a a new law they passed in New Jersey mandating uh, LGBT indoctrination, said, parents, you need to pull your kids out and put them in a a Christian school. So uh, the tide is really turning. It's happening very quickly. Uh, I think the next big battle, uh, you know, I, I think this battle we've already won, right? Your, your average American, even the non-Christians recognize this is not a suitable system. Uh, and so right now, all over this country, families at dinner tables all over the nation are trying to figure out how do we pull our kids out? How do we make that happen? The yep. next big battle, uh, and that's coming. In fact, we're already starting to see it. It'll probably be very obvious in the next legislative session in 2023 is them trying to get control of all the homeschoolers and all the Christian schools. And uh, I think the mechanism they're going to use is they're going to offer us free, free tax dollars. Um, and it's just like the free cheese in the mouse trap, right? The, the reason the mouse gets his head smashed in is because he doesn't understand why the cheese is free. Right. Uh, it's the same thing with these tax dollars they're going to be offering us. And they're already starting to do this in some states. Hey, we just want to support you. We just want to help you make a good decision for your family. Uh, and then, you know, it, it'll go for a year or two. And then they'll say, oh, well, you know, we can't just give you tax money and have there be no accountability and no oversight. I mean, you know, what if you're teaching your kids that the Bible is true? What if you're teaching your kids that Noah's Ark was real? I mean, what if you're teaching your kids that there's something wrong with uh, picking a new gender, right? We can't just have this kind of outright discrimination funded by tax dollars. 
So, so that's the next big battle. Um, the UN has already made very clear that they want all education to be government controlled education. Uh, UNESCO put out a report uh, very recently saying that they need to start giving tax dollars to private schools and, and other options to bring them under the national testing systems and accountability systems. So that's going to be the next big fight. It's coming soon. Uh, there are now very vocal forces in the United States calling for a ban on homeschooling. Uh, Elizabeth Bartholet at Harvard University, she runs the uh, child advocacy program at Harvard Law School. Uh, her her uh, sidekick, uh, James Dwyer at William & Mary, uh, they're both going around the country openly saying we need to ban homeschooling. So the fight is coming. Uh, we should be ready. But I, I think we've won the battle now for the hearts and minds of Americans. They recognize the public school system is poison. Uh, the next battle is now going to be to preserve the independence and the integrity of our homeschools and our Christian schools. Yeah. And, uh, and on top of that, they want us to eat bugs. That's right. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> what is our best defense with the upcoming fight? Well, I, I think we need to resist the temptation to take the government money. Right. Um, and that's going to be hard for people because, you yeah. know, I know it. I got five kids, right? We live yeah. on one income. It's not easy. You guys know it. All homeschoolers know it's a sacrifice. You got to drive an older car. You got to live in a smaller house. There's not always money to go take a ski vacation or whatever, right? Uh, so we know that. And it's so tempting. Well, free money. Um, fortunately, um, the uh, Homeschool Legal Defense Association has been very solid on this. Uh, they have been uh, warning their members and fighting back against this for a long time. Uh, so we need to resist the temptation for the money. And we also need to come up with another alternative. So we'll be having a meeting very soon in Virginia uh, for, for leaders in the Christian education movement. And uh, we're going to be trying to develop some uh, model legislation where uh, Christian families who choose not to use the government's indoctrination system, uh, rather than paying taxes and then having some money come back with strings attached, we could just keep our money, right? Like here in Florida, we've got a lot of people who are exempt from part or all of property taxes, veterans, widows, uh, you know, law enforcement, all kinds of people don't have to pay property taxes, or at least some part of their property taxes. And we think that if you're a family with school aged children, and you choose not to use the government's brainwashing programs, then you should be allowed to keep your money. And so instead of having to go to Tallahassee, and then come back with strings attached, you just say no, you just keep it in your in your pocket. So uh, we'll be working on strategies for this. But I think the first step is to sound the alarm and let people know that uh, there is a threat, there is a danger, and we have to resist. Yeah, very good. Well, Alex, it is a pleasure to have you on. You're well-spoken, uh, and it is great to have you. We'd love to have you on again sometime down the road. It would be an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for what you guys are doing, and God bless you. Absolutely. Thanks. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.